We're in a series called Climate Change and where we've been looking at how we might be able to change the spiritual climate of our nation. While climate change is usually referring to the weather patterns and all of those things associated with that, the reality is that the spiritual climate change of our nation is very much in a state of disrepair. And reality of that is, is that it's far worse than any physical climate change that may be happening. Our spiritual climate change affects our nation, and it's not just our physical, uh, spiritual side, it also affects our physical side of things, um, because it reflects our moral values as a nation as well. That's where we, we learn and be able to live out and use out the moral values of our society comes through knowing and understanding God's word and God's will for us. So as our moral values decline, so too do the decisions of our, of our leadership, of our government. It affects everything that we do. They, they will then bring in regulations and laws and put in things into our society with a diminished moral value, which we will be expected to follow along. The increase of sexually motivated Mardi Gras and all those sorts of things, the things that we're being taught in schools, um, how much influence we can have on our own children as parents is going to be and is affected to how we even define what a male and a female is, is affected by the, the spiritual climate that we live in at this point in time. And which, when those things happen, they then makes a decision on who we can employ, who we can allow into our, our own businesses, into churches, and uh, we have to use gender-relevant terms, the things like him and her and his and hers isn't, uh, will be taken out of society bit by bit as this spiritual climate declines. And that affects every one of us. It affects every one of us. And the spiritual climate of our nation is cold. And in, we are in desperate need in our society to change the spiritual climate of our nation. And yet our nation seems far more interested in putting band-aids on measles spots and fixing it up than in that way than it is to deal with the core issue of why we are experiencing the physical climate change and the problems that we're having in our society. And the reality is the core value or the core reason why this decline is happening is because we have turned our hearts away from God and determined to fix the problems in our own way. That's it. And the only problem with that well, it's probably more than one problem, but there's a lot of problems. But the, the core problem of that is that it is God who made everything. He made you and I. He, he put man on this planet. He created the universe. He set the planets, the stars, everything in place. He, he causes the moon and the, the earth to travel around the sun, the moon to travel around the earth, the, the seasons to come and go, the tides which are all connected to that come in. He formed that. He made that. And he put everything exactly right. 
The reason we have seasons is because God decided it was the right thing for us to have seasons. It was not by any chance. So when we take God out of the equation, when we diminish the moral value in our society or the spiritual value in our society, we are putting ourselves in a very dire place when we decide that we don't want the creator of everything to be part of our lives. And that's where we are. That's where we are as a nation. That's where many are individually. God is the only one, the only one who is in control. He is ultimately in control of everything. So when we have a problem here on earth that has its origins in heaven, trying to fix it on earth is going to be a waste of time. And that's the issue that we've got. We are trying to fix a spiritual issue with earthly means. And the only thing that's going to correct that whole thinking is, is recognising that as God's people, we are called to humble ourselves and pray. Come before him in humility and our spiritual climate can only be turned around to where it needs to be and it can be turned around. Don't, don't misunderstand that. It can be. God's word in many, many places talks about if my people turn away these are going to be things that are happening but if my people come back then things will be restored that's over and overly repeated through the scriptures so things can get better but it can be turned around only by working in the spiritual it's a turning back in the spiritual climate of our own heart and that means seeking God it means confessing our sin as a nation and individually, turning from our wickedness and turning our hearts toward God. That's the only way the spiritual climate is going to change. And that's the call of the church. That's our mission of the church. And we are called to pray, to pray for ourselves, to intercede in prayer for, on behalf of those who are unable to pray or unwilling to pray for themselves. Fixing the climate with band-aid solutions like reducing carbon emissions, which may help, it's not going to fix the core issue. In week one, we spoke about our need to pray. Last week, we spoke about how we should pray. Today, I want to be a little bit more philosophical and ask, what happens if we have no faith to pray? Or does God actually answer the prayer of someone who has no faith? Is it possible for someone without faith to have their prayers answered? Because the reality is that most of us have friends or family uh, who do not know the Lord. They don't know the Lord. And what happens, so if they begin to pray for our nation, what happens if they start to pray for our our problems that we have in our society, what happens to their prayer? Does God answer those prayers? Because 1 John 5 says, this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we've asked of him. And I know that I've said in the past, and I will say it again today, that it's the responsibility of for the Christ follower to pray. But what if, 
What if one of our friends who has no Christian faith begins to pray and ask God to protect him from those things that are happening in our world? Does God answer those kinds of prayers? If you do a quick Google search, which I did, you'll find that there are so many articles trying to answer that very question. Many, many articles. The general consensus of those people who have tried to answer that question is that God does not hear the prayers of unbelievers except for the prayer of repentance. They often quote uh, verses like John 9. It says, we know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but he's ready to hear those who worship him and do his will. Or Isaiah in the Old Testament says, if it's your sins that have cut you off from God, because of your sins, he's turned away and will not listen anymore. And to be fair, reading those verses seems to indicate that somebody without faith should not expect their prayers to be answered, except for the prayer, perhaps, of repentance. On the other hand, James reminds us also that the the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. They're the scriptures that we can pull out and look at and think, okay, So can or does God answer the prayers of those who have no faith? Just to be clear, I'm not sure that's the right question. In fact, I know it's not the right question. I mean, the real question isn't whether or not God answers the prayer of someone who is a believer or non-believer. That's not a good or proper question to really even ask. It's not the purpose of prayer. The purpose of prayer isn't to get what we want. The purpose of prayer isn't to, to, although he wants us to give our petitions to him, he's not some Santa Claus type figure in the sky who says, who's waiting to hand out gifts to us at at our discretion, asking him for what we want. The reality is that God is sovereign. That means that he is over all, in all, through all things. There is nothing that happens except by him and there is no one that he has to answer to. He's sovereign. He's the one at the very top. So to think that you or I could ask God for anything and he's obliged to answer, I think we've messed up somewhere along the line. I think we have missed the point of prayer because it's not about... Those sorts of things. Prayer is a means of communication that God has put in place so that we can communicate with him and develop a relationship with him. He wants us to communicate. He wants us to pray. But prayer isn't specifically about getting anything. So asking a question whether God answers the prayer of those who do not have any faith is really quite irrelevant because it doesn't make sense to what prayer even is. Because if the real issue is whether an unbeliever or someone without any Christian faith has access to the throne room of God except or apart from Christ, can any of us come before God and expect him to give us that time without understanding the process of being of of being with Christ or in Christ 
Because the reality is if we refuse to accept Jesus Christ, do we really then have any right to expect that God would, would answer us? And the, real, the resounding answer is no. Why would we? Why would we expect God to answer us and give us the things that we're just going to willingly ask for if we really don't care about him? There is one prayer, and we've talked about it briefly already, there is one prayer that God will hear without any faith. And that is a prayer of the earnest plea to Christ for salvation. So someone who comes to a point of recognising that I've reached rock bottom and I need some help. I need, and we see that in Jesus Christ, and there are many of you, in fact all of those who have received Jesus Christ, have made that or come to that point and made that decision where we realise that there is nothing else in this world that's going to help us get through those things. Fixing up all the world problems isn't going to happen by being physically being able to do that. The only way we can fix anything or come to any kind of solution is working through the spiritual. But whether or not God answers our prayers or any other prayers of those who reject Christ is quite honestly irrelevant because the reality if God wants to, because he's sovereign, he can. And he may. He may. But if those who are without faith are set on throwing away their eternal life, not wanting to have a relationship with Jesus Christ and, and insist on their path to hell, whether God gives them a few, a few earthly pleasures of answered prayers and giving things, quite honestly, is up to him. And he's able to do that. But what that will do, though, is that if we persist with that kind of thinking and persist in not wanting to acknowledge Jesus Christ in our life, we are increasing our guilt and the torment on us because at some point we have, are going to come before, in judgment before Jesus Christ and we are going to be called to give an account of what we did with those moments where we were given an opportunity or an occasion for repentance and we rejected it. We're going to be all in that position if that's, that's where we are. So it's not even any real great benefit if God really does answer the prayers of those who are without faith or not. He may, he can, he may not, it doesn't matter. Because unless we recognise that we need to develop this relationship or have this relationship with Jesus Christ, we're going to be heading for an eternity in hell. That's a little bit distressing for me, knowing that I have friends and family who are on that path. And the reality is that's where all of us were at one point, every one of us. If you've, if you've ever given your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, that's exactly where you were prior to that point. There's a phrase that was shared with me many, many years ago with a mentor of mine who's now passed away quite some years ago, but he would always say that the ground is level at the foot of the cross. And what that means is it doesn't matter what we've done, it doesn't matter where we've come from, what upbringing we've had or what our past looks like, how important we think we are, how privileged of a life we've had or not had. 
The only way to get to heaven is by way of the cross. The only way. We need to acknowledge our need of Jesus to take the penalty of sin away from us so that we can stand before our heavenly Father who is righteous because he is the only one who has, is able to forgive us our sinfulness. It's the only process. So what I want to share with you is, is three or two things specifically and then one to finish up with, with as we bring this to a conclusion a little bit. But if you want to have your prayers answered, if you want to ensure that God is, is answering your prayer, the first thing, if you're taking notes, the missing word, <clears throat> excuse me, the missing word is relationship. The first thing we need to do is begin the relationship. There is no relationship with, with God without the saving grace that is available through Jesus Christ. There is no relationship with Christ, God in any other way. No one deserves this relationship with him. Who do we think we are that we would deserve such a relationship? But God has given us everything that we need in order that we might have this relationship. He gives everyone an opportunity to have a relationship with him and it begins by accepting a free gift offered to every single person. And it's Jesus Christ. The scriptures are quite clear in Acts 4. Luke says, there is salvation, or Peter is the one that's talking about it, Luke wrote it. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. There's no other way to enter into the kingdom of heaven that we can get there except by the name, through the name of Jesus Christ. There's absolutely no other process. It's through Christ putting our faith in him and him alone. That might sound a little, certainly in our culture, a little exclusive. But think about it. Why would God allow anyone into his kingdom if they were not prepared to obey him or to listen to him or to have some sort of relationship with him? In fact, why would we want to go to heaven if we didn't want to have a relationship with God? It just doesn't sound like well, that's a place that it would be nice to be if that was our decision that we didn't want it. So we need to be sure that we, if we do want to get to heaven, we need to have this relationship with our Heavenly Father. The scriptures outline what we need, the process, the need of what we need to do. Confess and believe is essentially it. Jesus or God himself in the Old Testament, Jesus reiterated in the New has already also explained what will happen if we reject that free gift. That's the choice that every single one of us have in this life. We all have it. So no one should be surprised at the end of their life if they stand before the judgment seat if Jesus rejects them because they rejected him. Luke 10 says, then he said to his disciples, this is Jesus, anyone who accepts your message is also accepting me. Anyone who rejects you is rejecting me and anyone who rejects me is rejecting God who sent me. 
Also in John 12, but all who reject me and my message will be judged on the day of judgment by the truth that I have spoken. So we're going to be held to account for the, for the, the truth that Jesus proclaimed while he was on this planet. It couldn't be clearer. We've been given the consequences of not believing Jesus and his message and we've been given the consequences of what will happen when we do. It's a choice that every one of us has to come to. It certainly has nothing to do with our position in society, how much money we have, how kind we are, how understanding we are, how good looking we are, what position in society we might like to have and, and aspire to. It has nothing to do with those things. Our acceptance into the kingdom of heaven is solely based on whether we have accepted Jesus Christ or rejected Jesus Christ. That's the choice. Acts 16, again, Luke says, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, along with everyone in your household. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the process. So does God answer the prayer of, a, of a, one without faith, a non-believer? Maybe he will. Maybe he won't. But I promise you, the one that you can be absolutely confident he will answer is a prayer of confession and a prayer seeking salvation through Jesus Christ. He will always answer that. As I said before, God is sovereign. And he's in charge. Nothing or no one answers to him. Oh, he answers to nobody, put it that way. And his word is final. So if God decides to do that for somebody, to give them an answer to prayer that they ask, I can guarantee you that it will be that they might see the power of God at work and come back to him. I can guarantee that if we don't have faith and God answers a prayer of ours, it will be on us then to see what God has done and turn back to him. That's his desire for doing that. It would be solely where God is wanting us to be. So that, if that's you this morning, if you have prayed to God for anything and he has given it to you, if your heart has remained distant from him, even after receiving the answer to a prayer of any kind, we need to be careful that our unwillingness to respond to that will result in a torment for us at the point of judgment because of the fact that we don't use those opportunities as an occasion for repentance. Let's take notice of those sorts of things. God is not deaf, and he certainly isn't deaf to our pleas for mercy. And the best thing that any of us could do today would be to begin the relationship with Jesus Christ while we have an opportunity to do so. So what does relationship look like? Number two is relationship means obedience. How do we know if we've got a relationship with Jesus? What does it look like or mean to have a relationship with Jesus? That's a really good question because once, once you, you, you may be forgiven for misunderstanding because there are many who proclaim to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, yet their lifestyle seems to be anything but in alignment with the, what the Word of God tells us. 
But the way that Jesus would have led us is the way that we need to follow. If we proclaim to know Jesus Christ, if we proclaim that we have received Jesus, our lifestyle ought to change. There are many who have been in church all their life, yet they have never had a relationship with Jesus Christ. Many, in fact, the scriptures even tell us, Jesus said it in Matthew 7, on judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and we cast out demons in your name and we perform many miracles in your name. But I will reply, says Jesus, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's law. There are many who are worshipping God thinking that they have this relationship, but their relationship isn't real. They've never really submitted to that. And what Jesus was saying when he spoke those words, and there's others in that same paragraph if you read around that, is because you do things in my name, that does not mean that you are known by my name. Just because you do things in my name doesn't mean that I know you. To be known as a Christ follower means that we will be obedient to what he calls us to do. That's what following means. Listen to what Jesus says about having a solid foundation based on truth. He says in the next verse, verse 24 in Matthew 7, On judgment day many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and perform many miracles in your name. But I will reply, never you, you. Get away from me who break... Did I read that again? Good on me. Must have mean to tell you again. <laughs> when we, he goes on to say, there are others who will say, I did do those things. And he, and he will say, I, well done, good and faithful servant. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. They're like a person who builds his house on a solid rock. That's what he's saying. Though the rain comes and the torrents come and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against the house, it will collapse because it's built on bedrock. Anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish like a person who builds his house on a sand. We need to recognise those things. Those who build their house on a sand, when the rains come and the floods come and the wind beats against the house, it's going to collapse. So we need to have our life built on the solid rock. We need to have that in place. We know how much we love God by how much we obey him. Just as we want to do the things for the one that we love in this earthly life. If you love someone, one of the ways or the primary way that we show that we love them is we will want them to be enjoying things. We want them to have things. We want them to we want to do things for them. And we show our love in a practical sense. It's exactly the same in a spiritual sense. If we really want to be building a relationship with Jesus, we should be wanting to do as he says. John 14 says just that in John 14, 15. If you love me, obey my commandments. And when we ask Jesus into our life, we're beginning a journey of faith. We're saying to Jesus, I want you to take the steering wheel of my life. I want you to be in charge. I'm happy to be the passenger in this journey. I want you to take control of everything that happens. Take the wheel.
And relationship is built through trust and through communication. And when we give our hearts to the Lord Jesus Christ, one of the things that he does for all of us is give us a desire to want to communicate with him, want to talk with him. Most of us, even at that point, feel that we're, we're not really very good at it and we would like to be better at it, but the desire is there. That's what happens, and that's why we were get what we were, why the, the disciples were given the Lord's Prayer. It came out of a question, Jesus, teach us to pray. We want to know how we should pray. And the prayer begins, the Lord's Prayer that most of us memorize at some point in our life, is, is, is we, it begins with acknowledging our Father who art in heaven. May your name be honoured above all other names. May your kingdom come to this place. May you be glorified above all things. That's how the Lord's Prayer begins, by acknowledging who he is. A relationship with Jesus is demonstrated in our willingness to be obedient to him and to communicate with him. And we won't fully understand everything. You and I aren't capable as human beings of understanding everything. And that's one of the reasons why Jesus instituted the church, so that we might edify one another, help each other, encourage one another, bless one another, guide one another to spiritual growth. It's a place where compassion is to be shown, where love is to be poured out in a practical way, where we can come to know what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. And I know there have been churches where people have been hurt and that's not the experience, but I want to say that's not how the church is supposed to be. The church that Jesus is building is one of compassion, where we can come to know what it means to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. We won't always get it right. We won't always say the right things or do the right things. We'll mess up from time to time. But it's, we need to recognise that Jesus, he, he understands our human nature and he knows what we want even before we ask him, but he wants us to ask him irrespective of that because he wants us to want what he wants to give us. He doesn't want us to be this spoilt child. He wants us to recognise our need of him. He doesn't want to sit on the outside of our house while we're at camp. Uh, Jasmine talked about Revelation 3.20 where Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. Anyone who hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and I'll eat with them. He doesn't just stand out there waiting for you, (gasps) Jesus at the door, and I've got to clean up my whole house. I've got to get my life right before I let him in. You might do that to other visitors. You see the car drive in and you quickly run around and sweep everything into a back room. (laughs) You're laughing because it's true. (laughs) Jesus doesn't want to do that. He wants to come in. He's coming. He's the cleaner. He's coming in to help you clean up your life. And when he's knocking on the door, he's saying, I want to come in and I want to make a difference. I want to help you make that house of yours, that life of yours clean. It won't be always easy and we won't always feel like praying. 
And there will be times when our prayers appear to fall on deaf ears. But if we want to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, we need to talk to him and we need to do what he says. We need relationship means obedience. That's literally what it means to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And the last thing I want to finish with this. For those who have made that choice to have a relationship, to those who have desired is to be obedient to the word of God, resist the temptation to quit praying. Resist the temptation to quit praying. If you've had a relationship with Jesus for a while, you might know those couple of things that we've talked about, but this is something that all of us struggle with. I am confident of that. It feels like sometimes that prayers don't get answered. Next week, Jasmine, Pastor Jasmine is going to be sharing as why God might not answer prayer. But today I want you to hear this. Don't quit praying because it feels like he's not listening. Don't quit praying because it feels like he's not listening. Don't think it has anything at all to do with your faith in him, which is kind of where we go. If you, don't, if you have enough faith, he'll do it. No, he won't necessarily. He's the one that's sovereign, not me. It may be that he will, but it's not necessarily about our faith. Don't just pray once or twice or even for a week for a particular thing, waiting for God to answer that whatever it is that we're praying. And even if then he doesn't answer it, don't get to think that you've got it wrong, that you haven't got enough faith and, and we can f experience guilt and, and those sorts of things, which is false guilt, potentially. Jesus gave an example in, his, in one of his parables in Luke 18. He says, one day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. There was a judge in a certain city, he said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice in this, dis in this dispute with my enemy. And the judge ignored her for a while. But he finally said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice. Because she's wearing me out with a constant requests. Then the Lord said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even, even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on earth who have faith? Who have continued with their prayer life and in obedience? We won't always get immediate results when we pray. There's a lot of reasons for that, and I'm sure you'll hear about more of them next week. But it's, answers are not always forthcoming. But the thing that we need to remember is that just because we don't get an answer straight away, we don't stop praying for it. In fact, the scriptures are full of prayers of, of prophets and, and other people who prayed over and over and over and over again. In fact, many of the prophets, all of the prophets who proclaimed the Messiah's coming never got to see their prayer answered. 
They all passed away before Jesus came back. Elijah on Mount Carmel, I know it was in a short period of time, but he prays for seven times, six times, that it might come, the rain might come. And he sends his sermon. I feel sorry for him. But he, he says, run up the top of the hill and see if you can see any rain coming. He prays once. And he comes back. He says, no, there's nothing. And he prays again. He says, go back up and do it. Have another look. Six times he does that. It was kind of like a game at high school camp. And he comes back, he says, there's nothing. And again, Elijah prayed on the seventh time and he ran back up and he says, I see a small cloud coming up over the horizon. And Elijah says, get going because the rain's coming. What would have happened if Elijah had only prayed six times? No rain is likely the outcome of that. And we've got to keep praying, even if we don't receive the answer that we want or the answer that in our lifetime. We need to do that. I know that the temptation to pray for something or to give up when things are not happening and expect it to be answered immediately is, is, is there before every one of us. But if we know, if we know that we are praying in accordance with the will of God, praying, for example, for a family member to come to know the Lord Jesus Christ, don't give up, even if it seems impossible. Even if it seems impossible. Don't be tempted to think that it'll never happen because that was the message of the parable that Jesus said. We may not see it fulfilled in our lifetime, but we can be absolutely confident that God has heard our prayer. The book of Revelation records that our prayers are stored as bowls of incense. Revelation 5 says, Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures that and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each having a harp and a golden and golden bowls full of incense. What was the incense? The prayers of the saints. Your prayers are a sweet smelling incense laid before our heavenly Father. He loves you and his, it is his desire to answer your prayers. Our prayers are not lost. They've not fallen on deaf ears. Our responsibility as Christ followers is to pray and not give up. They're brought before the Lord as this sweet-smelling incense. So does God answer the prayer of an unbeliever? Maybe. We know he answers a prayer of repentance. But the better question that we need to be asking, the more eternally meaningful answer or question that we need to be asking is whether or not an unbeliever has the relational access to God apart from Christ. And the answer is no. It is only through Christ that we can expect to do that. It only comes through Jesus Christ. And when we do accept it, if when we're willing to humbly come before him, we are going to be placing ourselves in the best possible position to have our prayers answered because having our prayers answered is is what God wants to do for those who trust him it's far better 
that our family and friends who have hardened hearts, and if that is you this morning, you've been constantly rejecting what's before you or brought before you, whether you're... An age of understanding is kind of the age that I'm talking to now. So that could be someone who's six, or it could be someone who's 15, it could be someone who's 60. An age of understanding where we understand the principle... And I believe that when we reach that age of of understanding, that we have that choice to make for ourselves. We can't count on our parents. We can't count on our generations before us. We can't count on the fact that we go to church, we read our Bible. We can't even count on the fact that we pray. The good news is, or the good news of the gospel is that through Jesus Christ, we have unhindered access to the throne of God. at the crucifixion the veil was torn so I pray today for you that we might allow Jesus Christ into our life that we would recognize that that we need to have this relationship relationship is the key relationship means obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ and his word and let's not give up praying for those things that we know that are in accordance with his will. Because his his delight is in answering. Pray for those who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ. Pray on their behalf. Let us pray for spiritual revival to come to our nation. Pray that God's will will be done and his kingdom will come to this place. And we pray it in Jesus' name. May God bless you as we move into this week. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for your goodness, your grace, mercy and love. I thank you for your faithfulness, your care and attention to details. I thank you that there is nothing that is outside of your your power or control, that you are sovereign that you answer to no one, Father, that everything stops and begins with you. So, Father, I pray now for this group of people here. I pray for those who are watching online right now. I pray, Father, for our nation, our leaders of this nation, that they might see the power of God at work in their life and turn to you. I pray, Father, that there would be eyes open, the scales would fall away, that there would be clarity and the need for spiritual climate change would be evident across all of our leadership across this nation. I thank you for this community. We pray for our local council, our mayor. Father, we pray for those in business that there might be a desire and a willingness to call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray that the Holy Spirit might abide with us. And as people come over the hill and look over the the islands of this place, that they might express and, 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 and see the glory of God at work, the power of God at work. Fall upon us here, Father, in this place today. Refresh us, Holy Spirit, as we call out, and honour you and live according to your will and purpose. May God, you bless each one of us and may we bless you in the process of being obedient. In Jesus' name, amen.